You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For everything, for everything indie, for everything cults, it's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey, George Bremer here with you. As always, make sure you download uh, and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. We have a lot, a lot of content coming your way over the next few weeks and months. That is for sure. So, George, we're just talking about Chris Ballard's future because this is coming off of a great article by Zach Kiefer of The Athletic, kind of laying out basically the entire Chris Ballard so far tenure in his what's about to be sixth year here in Indy. He's 45-49-1 so far as a record, uh, or that's his you know team record as him as GM. Uh, for me, again, I think Chris Ballard deserves one more year to, to retool his roster and kind of show what he has. My reasoning is this. Look, you come, you get the job in 2017. Obviously, there's no Andrew Luck. You have Andrew Luck for one year. So basically, five out of six years as Chris Bauer has been there, there have been quarterback questions, quarterback concerns. You you haven't had one. And for me, I, some of this is, I will say, he's not exactly put into practice what he's preached. But I'm at least believing in his philosophy of building the team from the outside in. Or from the, excuse me, from the inside out. Where you got to solidify the trenches, and then from there get some you know weapons for the quarterback, and you just can't get the quarterback and figure it out. The frustrating part is that while Chris Bowers talked, I think a good talk that I believe in, we've seen just this past offseason, he's not acted on that. Where we had Matt Pryor left tackle uh, opening week, and you had a right guard spot with Danny Painter that clearly we saw after week one he was overmatched. Like it wasn't it wasn't hard to tell that's not a position for him where he succeeds, and that's not going to be tenable going forward. So two of your offensive line solutions for a unit that you talked about since you got there day one of, you know, having it be priority were clearly obviously in over their head and failures from the start. Frustrating. But I think now, especially when you have a quarterback, um, this is going to be a quarterback driven class. You would think we assume again, with the Colts, you never know, but you assume that they're going to get it sitting there. Pick number six. I want to give him a chance to get a quarterback. I want to see what he can do. Um, I want to see if he's able to to move up. I think this is a guy that we've seen him be aggressive before, whether it's trading back in the draft or trading a first-round pick for Forrest Buckner, trading a first-round pick or conditional first that ended up being a first for Carson Wentz. And I want to see what his quarterback belief is when he's allowed to make the decision. Right? Like Obviously, when Angel Luck retires, you don't have, you don't have a decision on your hands. It's just, he's gone. Jacob Brissett's a guy in 2019. 
They got Philip Rivers, which I think that was, it sounds like a, a pretty joint decision between Ursang, Ballard, and Frank Reich. It sounds like definitely Carson Wentz is more of a Frank Reich push. Uh, clearly, Ballard had no hand in dealing Carson Wentz because that was a Jim Ursay mandate. And we'll see how much, you know, Matt Ryan was his, uh, let's say, pushing or not. But I just want to see, can you be able to draft a guy? And can I just want to give Chris Ballard, I guess, the opportunity to, if you're going to fail, at least fail with your guys instead of kind of getting pushed in a direction one way or another. I want to see, can this be the offseason where he has actual freedom to make moves? Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting because I think one of the biggest uh, knocks on him from the fan base is is the quarterback position. But in all honesty, the only move that I didn't agree with was the Wentz move. I mean, if you go back through everything that they've done, I thought he made the right decision at, at, at every other juncture. It's just that that Wentz move, I think, is haunting this team right now. We've talked about it before. I still think, you know, hindsight being 2020, which is, you know, hit the reset button on the PlayStation and and go back and do it over again. Um, if they had just waited and been patient and traded up in the draft for Justin Fields instead, I think you're in a lot different situation right now as a franchise. Uh, Frank Reich's probably still the head coach here. They're probably still a playoff contender. I think it changes everything. I really believe that. And I think that, to me, though, that kind of supports your idea of keeping him around. Because if you can get that young mobile quarterback in here, whoever it may be, um, you know, again, the, just in case the Texans are listening, they should not take Bryce Young. That that should you do not want Bryce not Young for them. Our uh, scouts, but, you know, both of our scouts, George, have said definitely, definitively, he is not the guy in the strap class. Too small, too weak of an arm. You know, you don't want to deal with that. Look, we dealt with not shoulder here for for years. You don't right. want anything to do with that. Let him go. Um, you know, don't make him your problem. But if you bring in that young mobile quarterback, a lot does change about this roster. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if it's enough, if it changes everything about this roster or not. I will say this in his defense, too. You know, if you want to make the case for Chris Ballard, look at the defense in the six years that he's been here. He's built that defense, and that's where most of his focus was. He's built that defense into a playoff caliber defense. Now, granted, they're not coming off the greatest performance. Probably not the greatest time to sing the no. defense praises. But if you're looking at that unit and the talent that's over there and, and what it was before he got here uh, and what it could be again with a healthy Shaquille Leonard, that group's pretty solid. I think you feel good about that defense moving forward. If you can do the same thing on offense, you could be a Super Bowl contender. And so, you know, how long does that take? How, how many more years do you want to give them to do that? I don't know. Uh, but there is he's shown on the defensive side evidence that he can build from nothing into a, a really solid, formidable group. If you can do that on offense, then, you know, he could complete this mission that he, that he's on here. And that's why I'm not solidly on either side, because I think you can make a good case both ways. Um, my biggest issue, we just talked about this during the break off the air. This team, for whatever reason right now is not the sum of its parts. When you look at the talent, and you look at you know what they should be doing on paper, it's it's a lot more than four nine and one. The fact that the Texans lead this division, the Texans, the Titans lead this division at seven and seven, um, is unfathomable with the roster Indy has on the roster. And so, is that Chris Ballard's fault? Is it a coaching situation? You know, I think that's what Jim Irsay has to determine. I think he already has. I mean, he fired Frank Reich and he brought Jeff Saturday in. I think that's his thinking. I think that's why he feels like, look, this roster's better. If I get the right coach in here, I get the right quarterback in here, 
this team can take off. We'll see if he's right. And that's the thing why I bring him back. And you, like, I should have made this point. You did a great job arguing my point for me, George. Just like, like we talked about in the first segment, like, they, like when you talk about re, retooling versus rebuilding, like this roster, I don't like, I really don't think it's that far away. Honestly, like, like I said, I didn't, when this team lost to the Jag, uh, to the Titans in week seven, it's not like we were writing the season off in terms of this team is done just because like you looked at this or it wasn't like, oh, let's lose every game next. We're going to get the number one overall pick because I just didn't think it was possible. Like I did not think this team would be talking about a tankathon, if you will. I just didn't think they were bad enough to lose as many games as they have. And so you're right. It's frustrating in the sense that this is, this is a team that blew a 33 nothing lead and a team that blew or, or allowed 33 points in one quarter of the Cowboys a few weeks ago, and they're getting outclassed. But this is also the same team that lost the Eagles by, what, two points at home? Same team that beat Bourne Point, excuse me, thank you, beat the Chiefs at home. Like They have, not to play more victories, but they have at least played some of their toughest competition. Like They've played them tough. They've hung in there. So it's not like there's a huge talent uh, gap between some of the best teams and, and where the Colts are. Like We've seen them just not come through, and we've seen them just have historically bad quarters and halves, but it's not like they aren't in these games against playoff-caliber teams where – I don't think they're as far away. Like, like I don't see them anywhere near in the same realms as Texans. Like that's so they're nowhere near right now. The Bills and the Chiefs and the Bengals, the Colts, but also nowhere near where the Texans are. So it's like I will give Chris Ballard the benefit of the doubt of he's been able to be a guy who's drafted for the most part very well, has a lot more hits than misses, and a lot more value. Especially this is a guy who finds a lot of good value in the later rounds. I would allow him to draft his quarterback. I would allow him to say, you know what, this roster's really not as far away as their record says they are, and give them one more opportunity to where, I think you're right. Like For me, I think this team is not that far away from turnovers. I think in part, I think coaching, if you get the right coach, they could get more to this roster than what we've seen so far this year. I'll tell you, it's interesting because, you know, talking about like perspective and in, in, in what your thought process was, I remember walking into the stadium, the Colts are 3-2-1, and one. I'm walking into the stadium in Nashville uh, in that October Sunday and thinking if they win today, they could get on a little run, they could kind of, you know, take control of this division I, I really felt that way at that point point. Right. Uh, and if you had asked me right then at that moment I would have thought it was more likely they'd be nine four and one right now than four nine and one like as I was going into the stadium by the end of that day I had a totally different opinion and a totally different feeling uh, but even then after that loss at three three and one I did not think they're going to win one of the next six games you know that that was not or one of the next seven games I guess um, that was not anywhere in my my mindset um, that, that they would be anywhere near this situation. And so there's a lot of things that happened that led here. I think that's one of the other things about this year. I think it's, it's, it's dangerous in the NFL to play this game, you know, to say what if and, and, and all the excuses. But this team has been, you, you had the quarterback benching. You had the firing of the offense coordinator, the firing of the head coach. There's been a lot of odd things that happened that kind of led into where they are now. And I think there's fatigue. The players were talking about it coming out of the bye, that the bye week was good for them to kind of mentally reset. And you saw that early against Minnesota. Now, of course, I think it's, it's put them right back in the same spot that they were in. But they're human like anybody else. This is wearing on this football team. Mentally, they know they were supposed to be better this year. They know that their performances haven't been where they need to be. And I think you're seeing, I think you're seeing physical fatigue from this team and you're seeing mental fatigue from this team. And yeah, a fresh start with a new coaching staff with some exciting new pieces could be good enough. But I, I just feel like the NFL is at a point right now where you could say that about probably everybody but the Texans. Probably every other team out there feels like, you know, if you're the Bears, 
What if you gave Justin Justin Fields any help? What if your defense got to stop every once in a while? You know what I mean? They're second worst team in the league right now, record wise, but they got to feel like they're that close. I mean, Denver right. might be the other one that's sort of not feeling really great just because you're you're tied to your quarterback for a long time. Very uh, it's not working out. Um, but I think probably what that leaves us with thirty of the thirty-two teams are probably feeling like one or two moves, and 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 they'd be a really good football team next year. You're right. I would agree. That's a dangerous game. Like at least that I'm playing and like, Oh, like they're, they're closer than you think. Cause you're right. Like, if you think that then nothing changes or m- marginal changes are made. And then you're kind of right back in the same situation. You're kind of spinning your wheels. Um, so I'm hoping that at least the talent does kind of rise to the top. And this is more of a one-off bad year than anything else. And a, a bigger indictment on the entire roster, just a total regression, but I will to argue, uh, argue against myself, George. <laughs> I was just, I think there are, Two reasons why Chris Ballard should be fired at the end of the year. Number one, I think it's obvious. If you hire Jim Harbaugh, and I'm on board, again, as a Chris Ballard, I don't say defender, but advocate for one more year. I would totally be on board if you hire Jim Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh says, I want control. Fine, you give him control. Chris Ballard, thank you so much. See you later. Like I think that's for having Jim Harbaugh be, I think, so far the number one guy in almost any Colts wish list. Uh, I think that's a guy where if he wants control, I think you do it. So that's one area where I would say, okay, I have no problem with, with, with Jim Irsay pulling the plug on Chris Ballard. The other thing, I thought Zach uh, Kiefer did a great job outlining this in the athletic that gives me pause, is I don't know if Jim Irsay actually trusts Chris Ballard. He, like you said, he vocally says, oh, Chris is my, you know, we're so lucky to have him. He's our guy. Of course, he's not going anywhere. He said that multiple times about Chris Ballard's future. But his actions speak differently. Like if you look at everything that's happened so far this season, we could talk about the benching of Matt Ryan. Was that Chris Ballard's doing? Absolutely not. Starting a Matt uh, Sam Ellinger. That was Jim Mercer's doing. The firing of Frank Reich. The hiring of Jeff Saturday. All Jim Irsay's doing. Oh, you know, basically jumping over Chris Ballard and kind of doing his own actions. So if you if you're Jim Mercer and you actually don't trust Chris Ballard to turn this team around, you can't bring him back. Like you cannot bring him back. You cannot bring him back to trust him to pick another coach. You cannot bring him back to, to, to trust him to pick a quarterback or you do it yourself. Like if you, if Jim Mercer is going to pick the coach, pick the quarterback, then bring in a new GM. Now, if you don't trust Chris Bell, which I'm not sure truly if he does, because he says he does, but his actions don't reflect that. I don't know how you could bring a guy back that you don't trust to make some simple moves where you are basically kind of shadowing or basically being the de facto GM yourself. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think a lot of that's frustration on on Ursay's part, and we saw him with the all in statement and in the, the you know jet engine video and everything. And I think a lot of this was just frustration, which we've talked before about him sort of reacting like a fan, you know, in some moments. And I mean, let's be honest: when you go back to the way they lost that Jacksonville game at the end of the year uh, last year, uh, and that embarrassing loss, and and all the pain that came with that, and then you go and and lay an egg in Houston in week one and get shut out in Jacksonville in week two. I think that set the table for the frustration to the point where when they got swept by the the Titans, uh, why I keep wanting to call the Titans the Texans today? I have no idea. When they got swept by the Titans uh, there in Nashville, I think it just boiled over. At that point, he was just – the. so I don't know if that's so much a lack of – just to play the devil's advocate, I don't know if it's so much a lack of faith in Chris Ballard moving forward as it was just – utter frustration in the moment and he's just going to take charge and change this season the way that it's going. And and obviously he did, but probably not the way that, that he wanted to. Um, the other thing that I, on the Harbaugh thing, sort of my take there is 
I think he and Chris Ballard can work together. The question, and, and as you asked it, is whether Harbaugh wants that to happen. That's the part I don't know about. But I don't think that, you know, I think a lot of fans out there are like, well, that can't work. It can't be a marriage that, that, that could happen. I don't know if I agree with that part of it simply because Ballard's whole, his entire MO is to include the coaches. The staff meets with the scouts. Um, they're very involved in the offseason process from free agents to the draft. I think that can be a, a coexisting situation. Now, the question always is the egos uh, and, and whether it'll be a personality clash and, and all uh, ultimately whether, you know, Jim Harbaugh would come into a situation uh, where a GM has the kind of power that Chris Ballard has had. Those need to be answered. But I don't think it's a situation that on the surface just can't work no matter what. I wonder if Chris Ballard even would want to stay because I mean, you go, I just keep going back to that press conference that they had when uh, they introduced uh, Jeff Saturday. I, you thought Chris Ballard was being held hostage. Like that was a guy that looked furious. He was very short in his answer. I think he only had like one or two questions thrown his way. So he was not exactly, yeah. uh, you know, uh, willing to talk or, or very expansive in his words that he, the few words he did utter. And so it's like, if you're, he, cause he obviously felt like Jim Mercer went over his head and made this move, which you're right. Jim Mercer is very emotional man. Maybe Chris Ballard, maybe it was the right move to talk him out of it. And obviously we're seeing the results right now kind of, you know, reap their ugly heads with a 33-0 loss in the, or 33-0 fourth quarter of the Cowboys and a 33-0 collapse to the Vikings. So there you go. And you don't hire a head coach. You play stupid games. You get stupid prizes. But I also wonder if you're Chris Ballard, you're kind of getting dragged and you're getting embarrassed right now nationally with how the, the roster is performing in recent uh, games. And Parker is the head coach you hire in Jeff Saturday. If you bring in Jim Harbaugh, like I said, maybe they do want to work together. But, you know, Jim, maybe Jim gets a little bit more percentage of say, or maybe Jim has Jim Ursa, you know, Jim Harbaugh has Jim Ursay's ear, maybe a little bit more than Chris Ballard does. Like, I wonder if you say, you know what, screw it. Just just fire me then because I don't want to have, you know, another hand tied behind my back and have my voice, you know, while technically it matters or it's hurt, it's, it's still kind of like you have two guys going over his head and doing his job for him. I, yeah, I just I wonder, you know. No, I'm I'm a, I'm a hundred percent with you. I, I think that's a really legitimate question in all of this. Is you know where's where's Chris Ballard's head and and how's he feeling about that three week stretch that was just insane? Uh, you know what what does that make him think moving forward? And I think a lot of that would come down to you know is if Jim Harbaugh is the guy, is that a Jim Ursay call or is it a Chris Ballard call? Is he the one that's looking at it and saying because there's a lot of reasons to bring Jim Harbaugh in here. Uh, just look at what he did in San Francisco. And I think just about, again, probably 30 of the 32 franchises would sign up for a four-year stretch like that. There wasn't a Super Bowl title in there, but it's the only thing that was missing, you know? Right. Um, and so I think it's it's very reasonable to think that Jim Harbaugh's at the top of Chris Ballard's list. But that's the question. Again, you know, if, if the head coach, if he's not going to have the say in the head coach search, I could definitely see him stepping away because at what, you know, what happened during the season, um, if that continues into the off season, what good are you, what good is it for you as, as a GM? I mean, why would anybody work under those, those kind of situations? So uh, those are just things we can't answer, but I think they're really good questions because, you know, what is the dynamic right now? I don't sense that there's a lot of tension between Ursa and Ballard in that way. There's always, they've both been open about it. There's always some pretty heated discussions between them. You know, they, they have uh, some arguments and, and they go back and forth. I right now, I don't think it's anything more than that. I think it's just more high profile because it's not over a free agent or a draft pick. It's over, you know, 
a head Who coaching, the coach of the team never been made before, you know? Um, and so I think it's, it, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out though. I, I do not rule out on the list of possibilities. I don't rule out anything because I've lived through this season. So True. I'm not going to rule out anything. Uh, but I definitely don't rule out Chris Ballard resigning on the list of possible outcomes this year. Let me ask you this to wrap up the conversation, George, about Chris Ballard's future. Do these last three games matter one way or another? Because I think they do. Like, honestly, I think they do. When, when Frank, I'll say this, at least explain my rationale. When Frank Reich was fired, I honestly thought, okay, Frank Reich's fired. There's not really doubt in my mind. Chris Ballard will be back, and he'll be the one making the next head coach call. It's like he's fired two or three coaches. This is the first head coach under the, the Ballard regime that's been, or second head coach, Chuck Pagano, that's been fired, right? So I really thought, okay, he'll have a chance to, to pick his guy. You watch how, you know, the Dallas game goes. You watch how the Vikings game goes. And now, like you said, with Jeff Saturday's future sealed, we start looking at the GM and the guy who puts the roster together. Losing the next three games is absolutely what they should do. I think what they'll lose at least two. They might beat the Texans because who knows. But if I want, like, if you lose to the Texans, knowing how emotional Jim Mercer is, I could see him just saying right then and there, clean break, it's over, we're done. Chris, thanks for your time, but we, we got to move on. I think these three games do matter because I look at Chris Ballard's seat today a lot warmer as someone who wants it back a lot warmer than I did when, when Frank Reich was initially fired a few weeks ago. I definitely agree with that. I think when Frank Reich got fired, I would have been pretty solidly convinced uh, that Chris Ballard was coming back. Um, and, and I'm not as solidly convinced of that right now, more like 60, 40 probably right now. Um, I think that week 18 game is the one that really matters. Um, if, if they were to get totally run off the field by the Chargers or the Giants, that might factor in. Uh, but if they lose to them the way that they've been losing most of the year with some mistakes here and there and, you know, and, and the other team just making more plays down the end, I think that matters. But that Houston game at the end of the year, I think could, if you lose to the team with the number one draft pick and back-to-back years in the season finale, that's going to be tough. And look, Houston's been playing decent football lately. I mean, let's just be honest. Um, they almost beat the Cowboys. They almost beat the Chiefs, took them to overtime. Um, I don't think it's out of the realm of the possibility that Houston wins that week 18 game. Right now, if they were going to play this week, I'd probably favor Houston, in all honesty, because of how they've been playing um, the last couple weeks and because of the Colts' tendency to just lay an egg in, in late-game situations. That's the one to me that really matters um, because, again, I mean, losing to the team with the number one pick and, and back-to-back years in the season finale with an emotional owner that could end poorly. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, again, losing is going to only benefit this team. I hope they go in three. I really do. Um, but I, you're right. I could definitely see Jim say freaking out if you lose to the Texans at home, nonetheless, with, with like the five people that are there that they're going to be in the stands that day watching that game, I'm sure. When you have the four 11 and one Colts taking on the, I don't know, what, one in 13 and one Texans. Holy cow. Let's move now, that one to prime say- time. I will say the one mitigating factor here is what else happens with the roster. At this moment, it doesn't look like Jonathan Taylor is going to play the rest of the year, nor should right he. Um, you know, absolutely shouldn't go. If they lose some more starters, I don't know. That's a good point. You know? Like, if Sam Ellinger plays, it's less of a brutal loss than if, like, you're you're running out the same crew minus Jonathan Taylor you had on Saturday in Minnesota. I think you're right about it. You are right. That's a good point. That could maybe be the one saving grace. Ellinger sinks. I don't think – uh, Ballard's an Ellinger guy, so you can kind of push that off of, hey, this is this is you, Jim, not me. Then, you know, mm-hmm. liked him, wanted him, wanted to play him. I think that's an interesting point, you're right, because if you lose to the Texans with Sam Ellinger and a few other, like, you know, 
backups playing some big time positions. I think you're right. Maybe that could change kind of Ursay's view, but also trying to, as you know, reading Jim Ursay, getting in his brain, trying to predict what he's going to do. It's a losing battle. It's a losing effort because you, no one will ever know. It's he's first and foremost, he's the team's number one fan. And I don't think he's ever been, he's never hidden that, you know, his emotions are on his sleeve. Uh, and, and because I, it, it's, it is hard to say, but I think there's a lot more just as that conversation went, you know, I think there's a lot more layers to this. It's not as simple as just win and lose. Uh, there's a lot more to it. You know, what else is going on and, and what thoughts are going on in, in Jim Mercy's head, what thoughts are going on in Chris Ballard's head. And what thoughts are going on in potential head coaching candidates? I think all that plays into what what we'll see ultimately play out. Crazy uh, for a four nine and one team. How how many storylines? How important these next three games are? But that's that's the wacky season we've had, George, and that does definitely continue here as we kind of get closer to week sixteen and another prime time game for the Colts. We'll break that game down a little bit later on in the week for sure. But when we return to finish up the pod. We talked a lot about all right, the Colts' future, head coach, future of their their GM, and Chris Ballard. Let's also talk about the AFC South, where the Colts rank right now, because I wonder if this also plays a role in Jim Mercy's decision-making. Is it fair to say right now, with the Jaguars coming on strong, they have passed the Colts? Obviously, record-wise, they have, but if they pass the Colts going forward here as the second-best team in the AFC, we'll discuss that when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. <laughs> 